Indeed, he is alive. Shall we turn now in our Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 27. Luke 24, verses 13 through 27. Our text will focus on verses 19 through 27. This, of course, is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Hear the words of the Lord. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Now the text. And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen the vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That is the word of God, and may our good God bless his words to our hearts today. Wise men believe Christ was raised from the dead. Well, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, ignorance is more deadly than cancer and more prevalent than COVID-19. For example, if you don't know you shouldn't operate your barbecue in your closed house, you will probably die. But that's just physical death from carbon monoxide poisoning. But if you don't know that Jesus was raised from the dead, or maybe you just see him as a nice moral man who gives us good moral examples, then you will not only die physically, you will die spiritually. And your children too. That's what ignorance will do. And the Lord Jesus explained why. Our headings are three, ignorance of the resurrection confirmed, ignorance of the resurrection condemned, and ignorance 
of the resurrection cured. Our goals are that knowing Jesus was raised from the dead for you, that you will be passionate about him, that you will praise him for what he has done, and that you will promote him in the world so that the world might enjoy his blessings as you do. First, we will consider the ignorance of the resurrection confirmed by the Lord Jesus. Now, these two men on the road to Emmaus were ignorant of the promise of Jesus' resurrection, even though the Bible was filled with promises of his resurrection directly and indirectly. And here we're speaking, the Bible they had was the Old Testament. That was considered the full Bible at the time. And it was. Now it is true that these people knew that Jesus had healed the sick. They had seen his works. He had raised the dead. He had walked on the sea. He had miraculously provided food for the hungry. They also know Jesus' words. He was a prophet, they said, who spoke truth and pointed men back to God. They also knew and regretted that the chief priests and the rulers pronounced Jesus guilty and made the Romans kill him. And the apostle Peter later confirmed all three of those things. His words, his works, his words, and his betrayal and death. In uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 37 through 39, we read these words. The word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. The word, that's the word that Jesus preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, good works and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And then we were witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land and of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. His words, his works, and his death. And that was good that they knew those things. But what did these men miss? They missed the resurrection. They were ignorant of that fact. But look at what the Bible said directly. Jesus could not be left in the ground after death. The Psalms in Psalm 16 verse 10 says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. The body would not rot, but the body would be raised up. That's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus. Or maybe they forgot about the ascension of Jesus after his battle with the devil. Psalm 68, we often look at and read around the time of the ascension of Jesus. Psalm 68 verse 18 says, You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Who was the one who went up on high? The Lord Jesus Raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and gives gifts to us. So Jesus rose and he did so triumphantly. Even in the book of Malachi, Malachi 4, 2 says, But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out 
and grow like stall-fed calves. Clear testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it didn't end there. There, was, there are implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament as well. Abraham, consider his hope when, when Sarah was buried. You see the testimony, the hope of the resurrection. The Bible says, oh, he was weeping and then he mourned for a while. Then he rose up from his mourning. The hope of the resurrection that he had. Or Job, when he says, I know that my Redeemer is still in the grave. No. I know that my Redeemer lives. In my flesh will see corruption. It will rot. But I'll get a new body. And in that new body I will see him. It didn't end there. One of the three main feasts of the Old Testament. Was the feast of Pentecost. What did that picture? It pictured new life. The one who was dead and buried. Like the grain of that is planted in the ground. It has to die and then it grows up. It's a picture of the work, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the consequent work of the Holy Spirit in us. So there were a lot of testimony of the resurrection directly and indirectly. But because of their ignorance, the two men thought Jesus was going to restore physical kingdom, driving out the Romans from Jerusalem and establishing the great Davidic and Solomonic kingdom as it was in the past. That's why they didn't expect the resurrection. They were concerned of their hopes being dashed. And you know it wasn't just these two men. The disciples themselves after Jesus was raised from the dead. What's the first thing they asked him? Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Therefore when they had come together they asked him saying Lord. Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were still hoping for a physical kingdom. Where Jesus would be the great emperor. They would be his ambassadors. And the kingdom would be established. That's what ignorance does. You know Simeon had talked about in Luke. About the consolation of Israel. That Jesus would be. For the consolation of Israel. They didn't read the rest of it. Or they didn't pay attention to the rest of it. That this was not just for the natural born Jews. The Apostle Paul confirmed in fact. That some of the natural born Jews. Were not the true Jews. And some who were the non-natural Jews. Were the true Israelites. Because it wasn't a physical kingdom. That would be established by someone who had a mighty army. But rather it would be a kingdom that was spread throughout the earth. In Romans 9.6 he says. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. And in Romans 11.24. He speaks about the non-Israelites who were part of the true Israel. He says. For if you were cut off of the olive tree which is wild. That's the Gentiles by nature. And were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these who are natural branches? He's saying the Jews will be joined back who have been cut out if they repent. But you have to remember that you are the ones who were joined in. So the Gentiles were part of the true people of God. Christ's kingdom was not a physical kingdom then. And uh, 
Ignorance destroyed that from them. You see what their faulty knowledge did? Their ignorance? It made them hope for faulty things. And then they blamed Christ. It's like they're saying, look at what you did. You, you sort of set us up and we, we had hope that you would be the one who would be the king. And now you're dead. You kind of deceived us there, didn't you? And in fact, what they were doing was really accusing Jesus, who was with them, of being ignorant when they were the ones who were ignorant. You don't know what has happened, they said to him. What's wrong with you? And nothing was wrong with Jesus. He knew the scriptures. They didn't. They thought Jesus was still dead. Even though, though the most trusted disciples said he was raised. Even though the women who went there first recognized he was raised. Even though the two angels in the tomb confirmed that he was raised. Yet to tell Jesus, you don't know that he's dead still. You see these men in their minds, their hopes were nailed to the tree. Where Jesus was crucified and then their hopes were buried in the tomb. That was the end for them. There's no hope in their lifetime of another one coming and destroying the Romans. And establishing the Jewish theocracy again. Well, what can we learn from this first point? The fact that these, the ignorance of these men was really confirmed. They didn't know. First of all, when you don't know God's word, you lose hope. Your confidence gets buried. And then you change your behavior. And it's true, when you, when you only have part knowledge of God's word, then you only have a little bit of hope. And then you have only part confidence. And then you have questionable behavior. Knowledge is important. It's important to get into the word of God. Look at what these men did. Look at what they accused Jesus of doing. Because they didn't know the word of God. Second. Christ's death was a fatal blow to the devil. For in Christ's death. He destroyed sin. Crushing the devil's head. But without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no hope for Christians. If Christ simply died, that would have satisfied God's anger for you, and then it will be the end. But because he was raised from the dead, you are able to have life again. There would be no heaven if Jesus stayed in the tomb. It would just satisfy God's anger. But no, he was raised from the dead. And the third... Those who don't believe in Christ's resurrection are pitiful and their faith is useless. They have no hope of resurrection. And these include Jehovah's Witnesses, but it includes many other people in the world. They just think of Jesus as the great moralist who came to teach us to help others. And that's the problem, isn't it? Jesus did not come to be a moral teacher. It's true he taught morality. But that wasn't the sole purpose of coming. They had the Old Testament already. They had the ten laws. He came to die and to be resurrected for sinners. And to tell them about it. 
You see, do unto others as you would have them do to you might sound like the gospel, might sound good. But that is not the gospel. Rather, that was a standard for civil justice. So if you murder someone, you were executed. If you stole from someone, you had to repay. That's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's standard for civil justice. I know Western society loves that. But that, is, that doesn't save you. Not even close. You needed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what was Jesus' response? He confirmed that these men were ignorant. He condemned them, secondly, for their ignorance. He says in verse 25, O foolish ones. Jesus condemned these two men, calling them fools. And the word fools is used in the Bible to speak of people who are ignorant and did not know or trust in God. They had ignored God's word. The words which came through the prophets. The words which made it clear that Jesus would enter into his glory after conquering the enemy. The enemy was sin, hell, and death. Remember we just read from Psalm 16. He would not let his holy one see decay. And they would have read that many times. Because the Psalms were their songbook. Maybe they even memorized that. But it never reached their hearts. They didn't remember the testimony of the women at the tomb either. They didn't remember the testimony or really believe the testimony of the disciples. They didn't believe the testimony of the angels. No wonder God says you are fools. Wise men believe in the resurrection. Fools don't. So Jesus condemned these two men. Because they should have known that Christ's death was not a defeat. But rather it was part of God's plan all along. He came to suffer and die and to be raised again from the dead. Think about the Old Testament. There were five Old Testament sacrifices. What did they point to? To the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were three major feasts. All three of them pointed to what? To the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the feast of the unleavened bread which had the Passover attached to it. To the feast of Pentecost. To the feast of the ingathering of the saints. Pointing to the work of the Trinity. Jesus said later in that chapter in Luke 24. He says the law, the Psalms, the prophets. They all speak about me and about my work. And when you see the details of the suffering that they had already, these men had already witnessed, it would have confirmed that that was always attached not to the end of Jesus, but the fact that he would be raised from the dead. Now you know Isaiah 53, we read some of that earlier. By his stripes we are healed. He was the, she- the, the sheep that went to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. But then there's Daniel chapter 9 verse 26. Not as popular but very much the same idea. It says after the 62 weeks Messiah shall be cut off. But not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The 62 weeks uh, means weeks of years. Uh, so you would count up 62 times 7 and you would do the calculation. It was so precise 
at its unmistakably the work of God that pointed to the time when Jesus would die. That last week was split in two, quite interestingly, marking the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. And then there's a gap in between, according to Daniel. And then there's a three and a half year of siege, Roman siege, on Jerusalem when it would be destroyed. But that pointed remarkably precisely to the time that Jesus would die and then be raised from the dead again. You see, Christ's death and burial and his suffering did not end his work. His work would have been incomplete if he had stayed in the grave. He had the work of resurrecting to do. He had the work of ruling to do. He had the work of guiding his army as they went out to conquer the world. That's what Jesus said at the end. Go into all the world and then go by yourself. I'm going away. Not remotely. He said, look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But the Lord is angry with them and he rebuked them. He condemned them for their ignorance and what they were missing. The whole kingdom was at stake. The threat to the kingdom was real if they rejected the resurrection. And they saw Jesus' crucifixion uh, or Jesus' life as simply an idea of being sacrificial for others. It wasn't moralistic. It was salvic. It was saving. So what can we learn here? First of all, in a general, uh, as a general lesson... Rebuke those who live in ignorance of important things. Don't sweat the small stuff, but the big things. People who don't know important things in theology. Be a good friend. Love them enough to rebuke them. Challenge them to get into the scriptures so they know the whole of scriptures. Second, remember only fools reject God's word. Only fools reject the evidence of the resurrection and refuse to plead with God for his benefits. Third, specifically, you need to rebuke anyone who claims to be a Christian or rebuke anyone from a false religion who denies the resurrection. Tell him he has no hope without it. Be a good friend. Tell him he will go to hell. Unless he looks to Christ and his resurrection. You see, it's either resurrection or hell. And you have to be loving enough to tell people they're going to go to hell without Jesus. Very importantly, rebuke those who substitute or minimize the full gospel and the resurrection for moralistic gospel preaching. And that's his bigger problem. You go to many churches, it's all about loving your neighbor and helping the poor and digging wells. Those are expressions of love, but it's not good enough. That's the ordinary. And I'm afraid we have seen a a degeneration in foreign missions where we think the gospel is digging wells and building hospitals. I'm a big supporter of doing diaconal work and helping people all around the world. But I need the gospel more. The missionaries who go shouldn't be supervising 
farming. They should preach truth. Because those people can have the world of food to eat. But they're going to go to hell with a full belly. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to learn that Jesus came and suffered. And died. And was buried. And rose again. And is coming one day for them. The full gospel. So how did the Lord cure that? We've started touching on that now. How did the Lord cure their ignorance of the resurrection? The Bible says in verse 27, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Instead, so the Lord then said, let me explain God's word to you. I know you don't know what you should have. And I have rebuked you. I said you are foolish for not knowing the full gospel. And by the way we as pastors are the ones who are mostly responsible for the ignorance. We don't always want to confront people in their sins or their ignorance. Because we want to keep the peace. But not our Lord Jesus. He didn't do that. He expounded the word about his life suffering death. And resurrection from Moses and the uh, law. From the Psalms from the other prophets. And that's how he cured their ignorance. In fact in verse 32 reflecting on, on this interaction. The Bible says the hearts of these two men burned when Jesus was correcting them. When he was teaching them about their ignorance and what the truth was. In other words Jesus set them straight. Was it because he hated them? No, because he loved them he was willing to do so. But there are some more things that they missed. One of them was further confirmed by the Apostle Peter. They were ignorant of Christ coming into glory afterwards. First Peter chapter 1 verse 11 says this. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating with, when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. When did the Holy Spirit testify of this beforehand? In the Old Testament. Probably again an allusion to Psalm 68. That the Lord entered into his glory. He, didn't just, he wasn't just raised from the dead. And then they would think like the disciples in Acts 1.6. Will you now... Established your kingdom. Now you've been raised from dead. Now you show you have power. You can go after those Romans. Can't you? Again they didn't read Psalm 68. Because he was going into heaven. That's what uh, Ephesians chapter 4. The apostle Paul talked about. The blessings that come as a consequence of Christ's work. He goes into heaven and he showers his blessings. What kind of blessings? M16. You have weapons and uh, F-35 fighter jets? No, prophets, teachers, evangelists, those who will conquer the world for Jesus Christ. So what can we learn here? Again, it comes back to this. Know God's words, all of it. You have to learn the scriptures. To get the full benefits of it. All of scriptures are about Christ. And you know sometimes you read the scriptures. And the Lord could simply say for example against Babylon. And I will destroy Babylon for punishing you. 
But then he goes into the details. He paints these pictures. He says, Babylon, I will make their rivers dry. Their sons I will destroy in the wave. Their daughters shall starve to death. He paints these pictures so people could get this in their minds. That's why you need to read all of the Bible. You need to go to the beginning of Leviticus and read about the, the sacrifices that picture all the glorious work of Jesus Christ for us. Not hide and say, oh, that's too hard. What are these with sheep and goats and insides and burying outside of the city? All of those are rich with the work of Jesus Christ. And that's what he did to help them. He fleshed out that I did not only come to suffer and die, I also came to be resurrected and then go into glory. And then John 14 I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am there you may be also. The second lesson is this. If Jesus were not raised from the dead. You are still in your sins. You are without hope. And you are wasting your time being here. But he was. You are not wasting your time. In fact you have a royal commission. Christ's resurrection guarantees you life and all those who would receive it. Let's conclude. These two men were ignorant of the resurrection. They had the Bible, but they didn't take time to really know it. And because of that, they lost hope. And they frustrated themselves. How disappointed they would have been. The hope for that nation being established again and the kingdom expanding. How they must have hated Tiberius, the emperor of Rome at that time. So Jesus had to rebuke their ignorance. He rebuked them strongly because it was a great sin. But he, he did not leave them there like a good savior. Instead, he graciously took the time to explain about his life, death, burial, and resurrection. So, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, few things to consider. When you know that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he did it for you, be passionate for him. How could you not be passionate for someone who did for you what you needed the most and there was none else to do it for you? Don't you have passion for that person? You should. It should come out in your singing. It should come out in the way you talk to your neighbors. When people see you, they will see a smile in your face, even in the midst of trouble. Why? Because you know your name is written in heaven. You're in the Lamb's book of life. You're a child of the king of the universe. He knows your name. So what do you do next? Now that you know that Jesus was raised from the dead for you, you praise him. You need to praise him. You need to praise him more than you would praise your mother or your father. And a few weeks be Mother's Day, I've been told. And you always want to be thankful for your mother, won't you? But nothing like you should be thankful to God for what he has done for you in Jesus Christ. Your mother and father may have given you physical life, and of course with the working of God in them. But the Lord Jesus gave you eternal life. And then third, now that you know that Jesus was raised from the dead for you, you should promote him. Promote him to the world. 
I often think of it this way. You ever seen a young lady when she gets engaged? You ever see her turn her ring and hide it? Uh, she wants everyone to be blinded from the shining reflection of that stone in that ring. She lets the world know, someone loves me. I'm going to tell the world. And that's what we're called to do. Promote the one who loves us. So what's on your Facebook and Twitter and TikTok or whatever app you have on your phone or social media? What do people see there? Yeah, it's nice to have the, the cat chasing a ball of string or something and, and you look and you smile, but, but what else is there? Isn't there more? There should be more. We should be talking about Jesus and his love for us. Find a good sermon someplace, let people know. That's food for their souls, other than just for the little giggle or smile. What are you more happy about? What you had for dinner that's on 14 uh, photographs on Facebook or what Jesus did for you? It's okay to have the simple things. But go bigger. Promote the one who lived and died and rose again for you. And if you're not a Christian, know Jesus lived and died and rose again from the dead in the place of sinners. If you receive it, you have life. You reject it. You reject the resurrection. You die. Don't let this day pass by without you calling for help. Lest you die and spend eternity 